At KeyBank, we understand what you need to run a middle market company. We bring a team of strategists and problem solvers to design and deliver solutions critical to your business's success. KeyBank offers industry expertise, investment banking and capital markets, payment automation, loans and lines of credit, plus equipment financing. Connect with your local KeyBank team. Learn more at key.com slash commercial. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. All right, here we are. Can you still hear me? I can still hear you. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Thank you for uh, coming here to our podcast studio for Link2 and Global Investor Conference. I know you had a long journey, Blake, uh, from, where were you flying in from? It depends uh, where you start the journey, because <laughs> on Saturday I was flying from Ibiza to Malaga, then from Malaga to Warsaw, had a couple of hours of sleep, back to the airport, direct flight to Miami. So you might say I'm coming from Ibiza with a stopover in Poland. I was going to say, if you're coming from Ibiza, I should have started the journey with you. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice, <laughs> although it's a very different Ibiza nowadays, when it's off-season and very quiet. Okay. So, uh, interesting background, you have had an experience uh, with being an angel investor, helping a fund, and then looking at portfolio companies, and then seeing a lot of success in various sectors. Walk us through that journey uh, of yours, and, uh, and why you're here today in Miami at Decentral, what is it that you're hoping to achieve? With pleasure, Karim. Um, I love to unpack there. So in terms of my journey, very early on, I really wanted to focus my career on the energy industry. And I got lucky ending up in EIT Inno Energy, which was a big venture capital fund focused on clean tech innovation. Back then, I didn't really take a keen interest in the startup ecosystem. I didn't think of myself as an investor. I loved working with founders in early stage. I really believed that's an opportunity to make an impact early on that scales with the company, a way to make a great contribution. But I wasn't exactly loving the dynamics of the energy industry. Very conservative, very non-diverse. Give me a time frame. When was this? That was oof, um, 2015, I believe. Okay, okay, okay. Um, and essentially... I was, my heart was growing fond of VC work and working with early stage founders, but I was thinking, first of all, working for a corporate VC, um, which is great and a lot of high caliber people, but it's different kind of pace than you would see in a, in a private venture capital firm. And also, again, I was thinking that maybe energy industry, it's not where I'm the best cultural fit. And around, I believe, um, 2017, blockchain started getting into mainstream, and I thought to myself, maybe that's my opportunity to pivot. Uh, seems that very few people have a track record at this point. So maybe it's another problem that I don't have a blockchain track record and I can just transfer my skills in supporting <laughs> founders and talking to extremely technical people, which in the energy industry, you know, pressure engineers, stuff sure. like that, and explaining it in commercial terms, essentially translating the technical minds to commercial minds, that I saw as a transferable skill. 
So I started just my own advisory practice that I called Beyond Capital, and um, I was helping founders, uh, banks, financial institutions, syndicates of investors essentially navigate the crypto landscape and either how to essentially get exposure to crypto or uh, how to leverage crypto in your business model if, if you're a startup. Uh, and then I had a moment of a disappointment in the space. Uh, everybody was saying institutional money is coming, institutional money is coming. It wasn't coming. Institutional money into what? Into crypto. Okay. And that was supposed to be the wave of adoption, right? That will follow. And I have to say, it was still very technical people in the room at this point. So I got a bit disencouraged and I, I moved to Indonesia where I learned programming. I was always very insecure that I don't know code and I still don't consider myself a software engineer, but at least... I can read a little bit of code or write a simple trading bot. And from then, I got recruited uh, by Uber. And I moved to Colombia, where I helped Uber introduce Uber Eats to Central America and the Caribbeans. I was hoping that Uber will be some sort of segue for me to get work authorization in the US, so I can maybe try my hand at the VC game in the Silicon Valley. But then um, COVID made it painfully impossible and ended up locking me up in Colombia, which was a very hard lockdown. Um, so I, I managed to escape on a humanitarian flight organized by the embassy of Austria um, back really? to Europe. It was so bad. It was very bad. Um, Colombia lockdown, even though it's not spoken of a lot, it was actually much level higher level of, of restrictions than the Italian lockdown in a way that at a certain point it got so bad because there was so much sexual crime in the streets because the police presence was reduced that based on your gender... You can either go out um, on an odd or even day of the calendar, and then they added one more prevention to that. Based on the last number in your ID, whether it's odd or even, the grocery stores would serve you or not. So it was very restrictive, and getting out of the country wasn't easy. All the flights were kind of grounded. Um, But I managed to relocate back to Europe, and I reignited my, my practice. I started working uh, with venture capital funds again as a an, as an, uh, consultant. But then um, I kept deploying as an angel investor and I ended up uh, starting the conversation but also deploying within the portfolio of Outlier Ventures. And that brought me to work with them full time, first spinning out their first partnership-based program, which was Falcon Basecamp. And I ran two editions of Falcon Basecamp with Outlier Ventures, accelerating 17 amazing teams in total. Um, and currently, I've taken on uh, a new challenge, given my track record as an angel investor, as well as track record of working with large organizations. And currently, I have the pleasure of expressing my passion and interest in web-free digital fashion by leading the execution uh, efforts for our partner Farfetch on the Farfetch Dream Assembly Base Camp, which is the outcome of collaboration between Farfetch and Atlier Ventures. Farfetch is a Portuguese company. Farfetch started as a Portuguese company. I believe their headquarters are in London. They have a heavy presence in the U.S. The the founder is Portuguese, but the company is international by by all means, also public entity. Um, And uh, essentially, my my views do not represent the views of Farfetch, but for me, it was very clear that they made their fortune, so to say, um, by introducing luxury brands from brick and mortar to e-commerce. So now that bet on Web3 and becoming that bridge between Web2 and Web3 for luxury brands is a natural extension of that strategy. So that's great. So that's actually a good use case for a particular industry vertical that has seen success in Web3. I would say so. I'm also a big advocate of NFT as a 
technology that changes fundamentals. I do have a feeling that nowadays people got so captivated by the narrative of profile picture NFTs, the money made in that um, kind of sector, and slightly speculative nature on, on selling and trading those assets, and people associate NFTs with that. To me, NFT is a technology, a format. The profile picture craze was one of the use cases and kind of the moment that brought the attention to the format. But we've seen NFTs tackle uh, the music industry. We've seen it tackle the sports industry. But I do have to say, in fashion, it really does change fundamentals to an extent. And when it comes to defining the future of luxury, NFTs allow for giving digital properties the qualities of a physical object. So suddenly you can create digital scarcity. If you can create digital scarcity, you can create digital luxury. How do you define luxury you cannot touch? These are very like interesting questions. So actually that's very interesting because uh, there is the feeling that NFTs, you know, from the evolution of just the JPEG and the valuation of JPEG, there's a lot of hype around the industry. A lot mm-hmm. of people lost money, but that means some people made a lot of money. Uh, there has to be a clarity now what actually an NFT is and can do uh, in conjunction with blockchain technologies. So when you look at your uh, background in angel investing, it's being able to scout out what the emerging technologies and use cases are. So if you were to look at that today, uh, apart from the fashion industry, where do you see the next evolution over the next 12 to 24 months of NFTs? NFTs specifically. Well, I'm not sure if it can happen in the next 12 months, but I do believe the real point of adoption that I'm waiting for is where users in the general population are using NFTs for a variety of use cases without even knowing the NFT technology is involved. Kind of like a PDF even. Um, I, I truly believe using NFTs in the context of uh, finance and decentralized finance is a very interesting use case. Not necessarily my strength, but definitely the strength of Outlier Ventures. We also released a paper on the crossover of those two domains called Metafy. Um, so I believe that, that that's a very interesting case. Um, in a lot of industries, not only in fashion, and I think the, the um, sports example as well as music example, if there is a creator, maybe a performer, some sort of a talent, Usually there is a network of secondary actors around them that are kind of benefiting from the flow of value simply by being there as a middleman. And I do believe any type of um, a setup like that can be disrupted by NFTs. I'm not saying getting those people out of the picture, but perhaps keeping a more transparent way in how the value flows between those actors and how the incentives are aligned. So in terms of uh, of that, in terms of Uh, digital assets, transfer, and securities. How do you see the evolution or development within the various continents uh, of the regulation around this, given the recent uh, debacle that we've seen in the markets? Good question. Regulation, (laughs) not my core expertise, and definitely my views are not official views of Outlier Ventures. Um, But I do see a couple of examples. For example, Dubai seems to be on this campaign to attract a lot of crypto projects with their jurisdiction, with more relaxed regulation, whereas 
it seems that in the current stress of uh, time of market stress, as, as we can call it, um, Singapore, for example, is showing regulatory teeth. They're kind of showing more prudent approach to regulation. Uh, I do believe um, there is a lot of attention on stable coins because of the Luna debacle, and unfortunately, in the in Europe, some of that attention is unhealthy, unhealthily spilling over to NFTs. Yeah. Um, they're kind of putting it in the same risk bucket, even though very different technologies, very different use cases, very different stakeholders. Um, and finally, in in the US, I do feel like currently the regulators are coming down hard to show people that they are putting measures in place to prevent stuff like the occurrence in the last months from happening. However, it feels it's much more of a show of strength rather than a long-term thinking tactic. Um, currently, um, I do believe um, Europe is a very friendly place to, to web free founders and often seeing how teams interact with those uh, regulatory challenges. Um, for example, I was recently surprised that you can release an NFT out of uh, the Netherlands without any problems. That was quite a big surprise to me. I I've seen a lot of European founders actually doing a lot of stuff around NFTs, mm -hmm. etc. Yeah. So it might be related to regulation, again, not my area of expertise, yeah. but... And what would you like to accomplish uh, uh, yourself uh, in the next 12 months? What would you like to see happen for your portfolio, or for the next company that you're looking for? What would that be? So um, for the next 12 months, and, you know, I'm, I'm working with a lot of startups. We can talk about my portfolio, but... Um, there are also the teams I help accelerate it in Outlier Ventures and you know the founders are my friends and I do, do feel a bond with them and try to support them any, any way I see uh, possible. Um, so for them, I, I would say for the more crypto-heavy part of the portfolio, I, I would really like to see them going super lean, focusing on building out strong fundamentals and really not getting bogged down by the, by the current market dynamics. Uh, because for them currently, I would say it's crunch time. It's time to get time to get lean. Time to really uh, make sure that you're demonstrating a tangible value proposition and um, again demonstrating business fundamentals. Let's talk. Let's talk about that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Being lean is important, but being futuristic and looking a little into the future to see what might work. In your mind, if you're looking for something, what would that be? Could you rephrase that? I'm yeah. not sure I understand the question. So, you're here at Decentral mm -hmm. uh, on the behalf of uh, Outlier Ventures. Correct. And so, when you, what, will, what will you hear from a founder or an investor or a developer that will perk your interest immediately? If they say, I am doing this, what mm -hmm. would that be? Well, definitely, I'm super happy to be here and very excited to connect with all of the founders working in the web free fashion space. Today at the center we have a fashion track, so for me, not only a huge amazing opportunity to connect with other speakers, but also great opportunity to have all the fashion interested people kind of gather in one place. What and Miami is a great place for fashion, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, um, stars align. Um, so that's definitely one group that I'm looking to connect with. Um, very important part of the program is also our um, mentors. Mentors uh, are external actors, individuals that 
have a very big credible track record in the space so for fashion we really with the huge help from Farfetch we kind of uh, put together an ecosystem of amazing mentors leading people in the space um, that are advising the teams and kind of advising us on which goals we should focus for with the teams yeah um, so I'm meeting the mentors that I often see in the Zoom screen but not always have the opportunity to see them in real life. Uh, we're spending some quality time together. I'm also opening up to potential new mentors, people that I haven't yet connected with but would be a great fit um, to kind of support the program efforts. And finally... So, did you hear? We have to repeat that for everybody. You're looking for exceptional mentors to help grow which business strategy? The Farfetch Dream Assembly Base Camp, the Web 3 Luxury Fashion Accelerator. Web 3 Luxury Fashion, and we're at the right place. Exactly. And a lot of stuff's happening in Web 3 Luxury Fashion. If you want to help, they've got to reach out to you. Blake, how do they find you? Well, the best way to reach out to me is to talk to me in person at the Central. I'll be around all day. Um, you can also DM me on Twitter at uh, Blake Beyond um, or reach out to me on LinkedIn at Blake Lazanski. I'll try to be as responsive as I can. Alternatively, crypto conference, so Telegram at Buddha Blake. Just DM me and I'll try to find some quality time with perfect, you perfect. here today. Uh, uh, well, best of luck in what you're trying to do. Is there anything that I missed to ask you that you would like to share? One more thing that I would like to share that the maybe less obvious group of stakeholders uh, that I would also like to connect with is organizations that are interested in running a program with us, Outlier Ventures, in partnership, much like Farfetch. I think this is a great example of what we can accomplish and if we can identify other amazing partners in different verticals that enable us to kind of seize the go-to-market potential that Farfetch is representing for the web-free luxury fashion, but in other verticals, I believe the synergies there are endless and definitely would be happy to talk. What would be a, a vertical that comes top to mind apart from fashion? Um, one that I have in mind is music. Music? Yeah, music, uh, sports for example. Um, we uh, have, a, have a DeFi program running with New Order, so as you see a vertical can be more technical or it can be more sector specific. Music and sports. Uh, so those are verticals that you're looking to develop more synergistic partnerships uh, with companies or, or corporations that... I, I wouldn't say the starting point is the area of focus. The starting point is the partner and by means of conversation with the potential partner we can identify the area that will serve their strategic interest because in the end of the day it's about them. Um, and then we can also fit it into a bigger web-free narrative. So I just mentioned some of the uh, areas that I would consider, but it should be very much tailored to the needs of the partner and their strategic objectives that they're planning to achieve by their exposure to Web3. Perfect. Blake, thank you so much. Sorry. It was a pleasure. Great pleasure. Perfect. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Hit it. 
Get into your local Safeway for great spring savings throughout the store. This week at Safeway, get yellow peaches or nectarines for the member price of $1.88 per pound. Also this week at Safeway, value packs of Signature Farms chicken drumsticks, thighs, leg quarters, or picnic packs are buy one, get one free. Plus, get value packs of USDA Choice Boneless Beef Top Sirloin Steak for the member price of $4.99 per pound. Visit Safeway.com, download the Safeway for You app, or head in store to find more great deals at Safeway. 